Welcome to the Intimate Conversations with Deatra Simpson podcast, where we talk about relationships, spirituality, life lessons, and all things that are possible. Today, we're going to talk about enduring through challenging trials and the importance of staying available in the process. When we're talking about being available in the process, what scripture comes to mind for me is James chapter one, verse two. And it says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now that statement alone is like, oh my goodness, like why would I want to count it all joy when I fall into a trial? Because usually a trial is painful, it's hard to endure through, it creates frustration and annoyance, it triggers the victim mentality, like why am I here? Why do I have to go through this? Why me? And so I looked up trial in the Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary and it says a trial is used or tried out in a test or experiment. And so I'm like, okay, like what are we testing? What is the experiment about? And then it says, a trial is the action or process of trying or putting to the proof. Like, okay, what are we putting to the proof here? And then it says, a trial is a test of faith, patience, or stamina by suffering or temptation. So then it made me think of James chapter one, verse three, because... It says in two, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In three, it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Whoa, a test of faith, a test of patience, a test of stamina by suffering or temptation. And then it says that a trial is a tryout or experiment to test quality, value, or usefulness. Now, I don't know about you, but some of the trials that I have been in in my life have been life or death. Like that's been the magnitude of some of the trials in my life that depending on the path that I chose, it would either lead to life or death. And so I was thinking of a particular trial in my life and this trial had to do with having a real reliance on God. And so essentially what was being tested was not using drugs and alcohol as a solution to my emotional pain. So back in 2016, I was going through a hard time in my marriage and I was feeling insecure. I was feeling inadequate. I was feeling alone and I was feeling like my husband didn't want me anymore and like there was nothing that I can do and that he was no longer trying to help our marriage to be in a better place and I just felt hopeless and I felt lost and one day I was trying to spend some time with him. We were actually bringing in the new year together and my husband had walked out on me. At least that's how I felt, right? Like he has a different version of the story, but this is my version at that particular time in my life. And I remember saying, God, I don't know what to do. Like the only thing I know to do is to pick up a drug or to pick up alcohol to deal with this emotional pain. And like, if you don't step in, like that's what I'm left with. Because in my life, I had relied heavily on drugs and alcohol to help me to cope through trying times, to help me to cope through emotional pain, to help me to cope through just passing time. I remember that evening, I went into the bathroom and I said, God, you got to help me with this. I'm going to stay in here as long as I can. But if I get up and I'm still in this pain, I'm going to go get a drink. 
And so when I got up, I was still in pain. And so I went to the liquor store. When I got to the liquor store. I said, I'm going to buy a fifth of hen. I went in there. I bought the Hennessy without thinking. I came out. There was a drug dealer at my window. Like, how did he even know that I did drugs? And he was like, I got some weed. And I was just like, okay, well, I don't got no cash on me. And he said, oh, I'm just going to give it to you. And so he gave me a handful of weed. And so within a five-minute time frame, I had drugs and I had alcohol after being clean and sober and so I get home and I crack that bottle open and I pour me a double shot of Hennessy. And I'm like, I'm just going to take it because there's nothing else that I could do to deal with this pain. And I just don't want to be in this pain anymore. For some reason that day, I was making up so many excuses to prolong taking that drink. I started thinking about where my life had come considering I hadn't taken a drink in so long, I had decided I wanted to live. I don't know where that came from because I was so used to choosing the path that lead towards death. Hence, the double shot of Hennessy sitting on my counter. But there was enough time created in that moment, enough space given to me where I was able to say, I want to live. And that was a trial in my life. That was a trial where my faith was being tested. My patience was being tested. And it was being tested through suffering. It was being tested through temptation. I didn't know what else I was going to do. And just because I didn't take that drink that night, that trial did not end. But what it helped me to see was that I was stronger than my pain. What it helped me to see was that God was there with me. And the only reason that I wasn't able to take that drink is because God did step in. And sometimes, you know, we want that burning bush experience like Moses, but it may not always happen that way. But what I knew is that my help had come because there was no way that I did not take that drink in my own strength. And so James 1 and 2 says, count it all joy when we fall into various trials. And verse 3 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, I didn't know what that trial would lead into for me. What had come of it was that I had been given the proposition to learn how to love me. In the place of loving my husband or overcompensating, I was given the opportunity to learn how to love me. I was given that opportunity to see how strong I can be in my emotional pain, that I did not have to give in to that emotional pain. The truth of the matter is when my husband got home that night and he seen that Hennessy sitting on that counter and that weed sitting next to it, my husband said, I can't take it no more. 30 days later, he packed up and he left our home and he had been gone for some time. And I said, I don't want to self-destruct. I don't want to destroy me because he chose not to be here. Even though I didn't understand why he chose not to be there at the time, but today I know that that trial, that circumstance was working together for my good, you know. And one of the other things that I want to talk about is like, what do we do in the in-between time, regardless if we are in emotional pain, mental anguish, what we do in the between time, which is while we're in the trial, really matters. And so while I was in this trial of suffering, while I was in this trial of temptation, I became clear on my decision that I wanted to live. I became clear on my decision on who I wanted to be, that although my heart was broken, that I wanted to show up in love, that I wanted something about who I was to change, not just to change, but to die. So what trial in your life are you going through? Or what trial in your life 
have you gone through that's helped you to become who you are today? And that's how I now see trials, that these trials are here to help us to be transformed in our mind and in our way of life. These trials are said to help us to shift in our perception and how we hear, how we see, how we speak. These trials are set in motion to help us to be healed and set free. These trials are put in place so that we can see that we have the power to overcome, that we have the power to become, that we don't have to give in to who pain says that we should be, but that we can take dominion over who it is that we want to be, although we're in pain. So who do you want to be? Do you think that you can count it all joy when you fall into a trial in your life and not become the victim? that your circumstances want to make you out to be. Now, when I look back on this trial of not using drugs or alcohol as a solution to my emotional pain, what did I learn about me? I learned that I'm not a victim of my circumstance. I learned that I have a choice in whether or not I'm overtaken by my pain. I learned that I still have the power to choose if I want to live or die. I learned that I am strong that I am powerful. I learned what I'm passionate about, what motivates me, what inspires me. I learned how to love me. I became my own best friend. I learned how to, I learned how to forgive. I learned how to create healthy, loving relationships. I learned how to receive love, how to let people love on me through hard times. I learned that I didn't need those walls to protect me. I learned the power of vulnerability, of intimacy, of standing in your truth, of owning your truth, of not being swayed by somebody else's truth. I learned about what really mattered to me. And what really mattered to me was my family and that I had the right to believe God for healing my family. I had the right to believe God for what was possible in my life, no matter what our circumstance looked like. I learned that I could still believe in being reconciled as a family. I learned that I could believe in and I can hope in restoration of marriages, of families. And then I went from hoping and believing to declaring, to declaring that I believe in declaring that we shall be restored in the name of Jesus. That trial lasted for close to three years. And I had learned such a valuable lesson about family. And I remember like a year ago, one of my friends was sitting in our new home that my husband and I had just purchased. And we were talking about her marriage and she was you know, playing around with like how she was going to retaliate against her husband and be even more closed off. And I remember saying to her, hey, you don't want that experience of him packing up his stuff and moving up out of that house. So what you do in this in-between time is going to determine who you guys become. And I'm going to hold you to your part. What is it that you want? What is it that you want? Do you want your family to be together? And she's like, yeah, I want my family to be together. I said, so whatever you say and whatever you do should line up to that truth. Because during this trial in my life, I learned that if you don't stand in, if you don't even know what your truth is to be able to stand in it, what are you fighting for? Of course, you're going to be tossed to and fro like the wind because you haven't decided where you want to be. I was talking to another wife just recently. She'd been married for 12 years and her and her husband been separated for three or four years. I said, what is it that you want? I don't know. Like I know that I could be without him. I said, okay, well, when you get clear about what you want, let me know. And I'm going to stand in prayer and faith with you about that. And she's like, well, I, of course I would want 
my marriage. I would want my family. And then I'm listening to her and I'm like, wow, like how much shame we have when it comes to our truth. How much shame we have with admitting our heart's desires and making it plain. I said, okay, I will pray with you for your marriage. And she began to talk about how she's grown during this separated time with her husband, that she's grown to love herself. She's grown to accept herself. And sometimes, you know, we forfeit learning to love ourselves by allowing ourselves to be consumed with another person in their life. And then we end up overcompensating rather than just loving them and accepting them for them. Because how can I love and accept you for you if I'm not willing to love and accept me for me? Count it all joy when you fall through various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then verse four says, and let patience have its perfect work so that you are complete, lacking nothing. See, I was looking for my husband to complete me. I was looking for him to be my happiness. I was looking for him to be my everything, to be my knight in shining armor, to save me from my emotions, to save me from my past, to save me from my fears, to save me from my pain. But he couldn't do that for me. I had put too much pressure on him. And when he couldn't do it, I turned to drugs and alcohol to say, okay, well, you save me, you soothe me, you give me what it is that I need. And what I've learned is that it's up to me to give to me what I need. It's up to me to be connected enough with me to know what I need in order to be able to then give to me what I need. So will you let patience have its perfect work in you so that you are perfect and complete, lacking nothing? During that three-year trial when my husband wasn't there, I began to say, I'm lacking nothing. Everything I need, I have. Everything I need in this moment, I have. It's available to me. Because what I knew for sure is that whether or not it was my husband or another man, I didn't want to look to another person to complete me. Because I knew that that was impossible. Another person can't be my happiness. I can share my happiness with them. They can share their happiness with me. But they can't in itself be my happiness. They can't be my joy. But they can participate in it with me. They can't be my healing. They can't be my freedom. But they can be in the process with me. So in what area of your life are you being tested? What area is your faith being tested? What area is your patience being tested? What area is your stamina being tested? Are you willing to go through the suffering of the process? Are you willing to go through the pain of the trial? Are you willing to face and overcome your temptations for the sake of being victorious in your trial? In those moments when doubt came in, in those moments when worry came in, in those moments when I was plagued with fear, I looked to God and I said, help my unbelief. Give me the strength to trust you. And I remember saying to a friend, I said, you know what? I would rather take another step in faith than to be stuck here in fear. I didn't want to know what would come of my life if I was too afraid to trust God for restoring our marriage. So I took another step. We stall out or or we freeze because we don't believe that we can withstand the pain if it don't work out the way that we wanted it to. But I've come to learn that it's not about the way that I want it to work out. It's about the way that it will work out so that it's in our favor. I had to get clear about what side of the fence was I on because I knew I couldn't be lukewarm and get what I desired. And so I remember this mantra that I would say, my only job is to trust God. My only job is to trust God. When it get, would get really hard for me, when I would find myself being led by my fear, I would say, my only job is to trust God. 
I wanted to demonstrate the evidence of my faith in God. I wanted to demonstrate the evidence of my trust in God, that I could do it God's way, even in the midst of horrific discomfort, that God's way was better than mine, that God did not bring us here to destroy us. And sometimes that's what we think about trials, that these trials were set to destroy us. No, they weren't. They were set to mold us, to make us, to shape us, to create us. Even diamonds have to be chiseled and shaped. Even diamonds have to go through the fire. But can you stand the heat? Can you stand the process of the trial? Can you shift from being a victim of what's happening in your life to count it all joy? Count it all joy when you fall through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work in you so that you are complete, lacking nothing. And in those moments when I would turn to God and I would say, my only job is to trust God, I would ask God for wisdom. Because James goes on in that first chapter and he says, if you ask for wisdom, that God will give it to you freely without reproach. And so I would ask for wisdom. Help me to see anew. Help me to hear anew. Help me to deal with my own temperament so that I don't get in my own way of what you're trying to do. So that I don't interrupt it. So I don't disrupt the process. And oftentimes we're so ready to get out of the trial that we're creating more havoc. We're creating more chaos when all we got to do to accept where you are in a process. Now, accepting where we are in a process is essential because there are gems, there are tools, there are gifts there for you. And if you're in victim mode, you won't be able to see the gems. You won't be able to see the gifts. You won't be able to see the tools or the opportunities that are made available to you. And so when I would go to God, I would see the opportunity to lean into love, to lean into compassion. And then one day, one day my husband said, you know what, I'm gonna tell you. And he started talking about what his experience was on that faithful night when I had that double shot of Hennessy sitting on that counter. And for the first time, I got to hear him. I got to hear his heartbreak. I got to hear how hard it was for him to stand up for himself because he didn't get married to leave his wife either. He didn't want his family to be destroyed either. That that was a hard thing for him to do. And for the first time, I got to hear his pain. Not hear his pain through the lens of shame or hear his pain through the lens of guilt. I just got to hear the purity of his heart. And then I was able to respond, to respond in love. Now I'll tell you what, to be in these trials, it does take courage. It takes determination. It takes a made up mind. Now, a made-up mind doesn't mean that at sometimes you won't wish to pop out of the trial. A made-up mind is just that you will continue to take another step no matter how hard it gets, no matter how frustrating, no matter how lonely it may feel. And I believe like the only way we can stay in the process and stay in the trial is because we have to hope at least that there is a greater good that's going to come from the experience. And the only way we gonna know if a greater good is gonna come from the experience is if we go through the trial and make it to the other side. And then before you know it, you have something to give away to somebody else when they're in a trial. Let patience have his perfect work in you so that you are complete, lacking nothing. And remember, if you need wisdom, ask for it and God will give it to you freely. Or you feel consumed with doubt or worry or frustration, give it over to God and ask him to give you wisdom in his place. And then take another step. The last thing I will say is this. You are worth 
the work that is required and you are deserving of what is to come on the other side of that trial. There is a promise that's waiting to be fulfilled in your life. And the only way it can be fulfilled is if you endure through the trial. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Intimate Conversations with Deatra Simpson. It's been a privilege and an honor to reveal myself to you. And I look forward to our next conversation. Until then, take care of you.